0: I come on stage and I'm always always wearing usually something bright, something sparkly. And I'm just like, da-da-da. And then I'm like, all right, genocide. Let's get in. And it's such a fun yeah. contrast because people don't expect it at all. And then the rest yeah. of my set is just like, boom, 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 boom you know. Um, but I do think that, because I've had like male Comics say to me, oh, you're so lucky you're a woman. You can get away with that. And I said, well, it's not that you can't. You just have to approach it differently and make sure you're not punching down. Because if people feel like, this is a hate speech that you're giving on the stage, they're not going to laugh.
1: What's up, guys? And thank you for tuning into this episode of the podcast. Before we start, this is a quick announcement to let you guys know that I'm dropping bonus episodes on Auxoro Premium. For the price of an iced coffee per month, you get two bonus episodes of my show, The Ox, every month that covers exciting, deep, and sometimes twisted topics like MK Ultra, the COVID lab leak hypothesis, fight club, dating, the obesity epidemic, ayahuasca, alien encounters, and more for less than five bucks. Per month. In addition to two bonus episodes per month, you also get exclusive Ask Me Anything episodes, the ability to submit topic suggestions for the AUX and the Oxoro podcast, and access to all archived bonus episodes to binge at your leisure. Right now, there's over 25 hours of archived content and it grows every month. For the best deal in premium podcasting, visit auxoro.supercast.com to sign up today. No topic off limits. That's auxoro, auxor Thank you for your support. And now, on to the episode. Brittany, Shree, thank you for joining me on the Auxoro podcast. Thank
0: you for having me.
1: So, I, I want to start this off by saying that your dark history tour in new orleans is the best tour that i've been on best guided tour best any tour unguided i don't know live or dead tour guide whatever any anything um just want to get that out there and me and my girlfriend julie went on it and honestly we were so entertained and, and, and impressed and just had a good time just felt like we were hanging out and i just wanted to to let people know that up front that they should definitely go check out the dark history tour. If you're within 500 miles of new Orleans, you know, just leave your friends, ditch your friends, ditch your family and go, uh, go check out some dark history.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, we had a good group that day too. Like everybody was really fun. So it also makes a difference when the guests are down to have a good time as well. Uh, but my tour will probably be ending at the end of March.
2: Uh, ah, okay.
1: And I'm
0: bringing it to L. I'm thinking I'm moving back to L. A. So it all going to be doing a Hollywood version in L. A.
1: Oh, okay. So h- have you been planning to move out to L. A. for a while, or is this uh, a spur of the moment thing?
0: It's not spur of the moment. It's more of a uh, since I booked a role in a TV show, um, things are just going to be happening next year with my my uh, team. So it just seems once my lease better, once my lease is up here in New Orleans to get back to LA to be in the where the magic happens.
1: Yeah. Well, congrats on booking the role. That's that's awesome. Thanks. Wow. So to to get into the dark history tour for a little bit and since it's ending in March, you know, you guys should definitely uh, you know, go
0: for New go Orleans. get that yeah.
1: go get that curtain call for New Orleans, yeah. And then out in LA to do the Hollywood version. Yeah. Um you combine stand up and also doing the tour, kind of all in one. And and we talked about it a little at the end, where you have jokes and work on timing for talking to people on the tour. Is is there uh, a difference in your mind when when some groups show up? Like you said that we had a pretty decent group, the one that I was in with my girlfriend. Are there groups that show up and? for whatever reason, they're low energy and you're like, this is my open mic group. I'm going to, I'm going to test stuff out on this group. And then I'm going to save my, you know, the, the hard hitting material for the the group that shows up with higher energy. Is there a difference in your mind?
0: So I definitely have groups that are lower energy and, or it's like, why are you on our, our dark history comedy walking tour? Uh, there's so many boring tours you can go on. I don't know why you chose to come to the one that's going to give you the most energy from a guide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, for the most part, it's all pretty good. There's different people who give different, not everybody is super smiley all the time. So I've learned to just go by people's energies and just because mm. their face doesn't represent their spirit doesn't mean they're sad or mm. boring people. Um. Yeah. But I definitely for me no matter what, I am who I am, so my energy level is always the same. Um and if people don't like my jokes, I definitely just lean into it more because oh, yeah. I'm not going to have a bad time for 2 hours.
1: Mhm. Yeah, um, that, but I, yeah. That's something I've heard comics talk about on podcasts where they they're in the open mic stage and for for them, uh, for those comics personally, they were saying, you know, when you're in that open mic stage and you haven't really gotten past at a club yet and you feel that the crowd is just not there and maybe you have well-tested out jokes and, and they've killed in other places and you know they're solid jokes, but for whatever reason, the crowd just sucks that night and yeah. you, just, you just have fun with the jokes that you're telling and, and you're just like, whatever you know, fuck this crowd if they're not down for a good time, because some people do show up to comedy shows. I've, I've been there from an audience perspective where a comic is killing it. And some people's faces when they walk into the door, look like they're so far away from a laugh. It's like they walked yeah. in at a negative five. And where I feel like if you're going to a comedy show, you should at least walk in at like a four or five out of 10, ready to have a good time. And then because then it's just a better time for everyone.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird to me. It feels like some people are going to a funeral. Um but even in New Orleans, like our funerals are fun.
1: <laughs> like yeah. we
0: celebrate life. Dead or alive here, we celebrate you throughout whatever journey you're on. And that's one thing I do love about New Orleans. I will say that uh I when I started doing stand up in New York 5 years about 5 years ago, I was very lucky and I didn't have to do the open mic scene. Um I was getting booked on shows very quickly. And it's, it's also about having a, a different perspective too. So I just, I think with this tour, it's like the same thing where I'm taking these stories and it's my perspective on these stories, which mm. is what makes it fun. And either people are going to want to hang and have fun or they're going to be like, Ooh, that's way too much. That is too dark. And I'm like, well, it's called a dark history tour. But yeah. yeah, it's just like, don't go to a comedy for the love of God. Don't go to a comedy club Sad or angry or like, oh, I hope I'm gonna challenge them to make me laugh. Like, stay home.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like we're meant to have a good time. So some people show up and it's like they're chat, like you said, they're challenging. They're they're in a very defensive, challenging mood, like almost looking at the comic where they're like, make me dance, make you know, do something for me, and. There's, the there are great comics and, you know, they're great jokes that will just take me from zero to a hundred, even if, you know, I was just actually at a funeral and then, which, uh, I I actually, for whatever reason, I laugh when I'm around dead people. That's just like, like, I, I literally have a memory of me and my brothers gathered around my grandma who had just passed away like that day. And for whatever reason, in my mind, I thought I would need to start making jokes now. Like, this is so weird. We're, we're in a, basically a closet with my grandma who's about to be buried. And it's just me and my two brothers just cackling. And my dead grandma is right there. And I'm like, this is so weird, but it's so funny. I, I don't want to stop just ranting with my brothers back and forth. So yeah, there's, there definitely is a connection between darkness and comedy for a lot of people. And you tap into that really well.
0: It's just trauma. it's just uh, everyone deals with trauma differently. And I've had so many bad things happen to me that growing up and stuff that uh, art was always an outlet, whether it was singing, acting, being funny, whatever it is. So I just think for me, my greatest joy in life is bringing joy to others. And it just comes in a different form of very dark humor.
1: Mm -hmm. So how did you first get into comedy before you even started the dark history tour what was your entrance into well, I that I was in New York world? I lived in
0: New York for 9 years and mm. I think I've always been funny because I didn't realize I was cuz I I don't I've never tried to be funny it's just mm-hmm. I just say things and then people are like oh that's weird ha 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 um but then I was doing um like sketch comedy in New York and I was doing mm. musical theater theater and I did a off-Broadway comedy showcase, like a sketch and singing showcase. And these two people, Megan and Adrian, uh, they're like, you need to do stand-up. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, that's, mm. I respected that art. More. I was like, there's no way I could stand on a stage and just say jokes and make people laugh. And then they pushed me to do my first show, which was uh, meant for first-time stand-ups who had never even done an open mic. So the first thing I mm. ever did was a show. And we uh, all got five minutes. It's all newbies. It's, it was called Cherry Pop and Sandy's at one of the old, the pit, one of the the pit, one of their old locations and did five minutes and I fell in love and I was like, wow, I can just stand here and hold a microphone and people will laugh at me. This is fantastic. Yeah. And it was such instant gratification. Whereas when you're auditioning and doing all these things, it takes so much longer to feel like you've achieved something where you can just go out and do a show every night or do an open mic and get instant feedback.
1: So, you fell in love with it right away, that first five minute set. You, yeah. you felt that feeling of connecting to people. Yes. They were laugh- laughing, you know, even, whatever reaction they were having, because it's your first set, you, you fell in love with that feeling of connecting to the audience.
0: Yeah, like, my first joke was about genocide, and it killed, no pun intended. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and it just, uh, I was like, I'm I'm Cherokee, so I was like, ah, this is why my ancestors died for this moment, right yeah. here, so I can talk about this.
1: Yeah, I uh, I was going through your YouTube channel, and I saw the the video you made about the, the eight fun facts, uh, uh, eight fun facts about the Cherokee from a Cherokee.
0: Yeah.
1: And the The way that you the way that you were talking about it was hilarious because obviously the the facts were not fun, but no. reading it reading it as though they were is made it funny. And it was just like, yeah, the the Cherokee moved from this point in the United States. They did't move to, yeah, they were, yes, they
0: were forcibly. Uh, told if they did yeah. not walk, they would die. So it was either you walk and go to this new location or we will kill you.
1: What's going on guys. A lot of topics in this episode. Yes. This is a break in the episode. And I just want to let you know a lot of topics in this episode with Brittany deal with some dark shit, you know, vampires, dark humor, supernatural experiences they're they're all things that happen in the darkness and i also like to get dark on auxoro premium i get dark i get deep i get happy sometimes i cry and i'm not even sure why there's just so many emotions running through me in the moment and tears come out and if you want to join me if you want to join me in this plethora of emotion just coming together from the vastness of space colliding into one podcast episode, you can go to auxoro.supercast.com today and you will get two bonus episodes per month of the podcast. You will also get the ability to submit topics and suggestions for the podcast, for my guest episodes, and for the solo episodes on The Ox. You'll also get access to exclusive AMA episodes and the entire archive of bonus episodes on Oxora Premium. There's over 25 hours of episodes on there right now for less than five bucks a month. It is $4.75 per month when you sign up for the year and $7 per month if you just pay month per month. So you definitely save, you save uh, $27 per year. If you sign up for the full year and you also get a free trial. So try it for seven days. There's literally no gimmick here. You can, if you wanted to, if you really wanted to, you could sign up for the free trial on Auxoro premium, binge the entire catalog, which is 25 plus hours in less than a week, and then cancel your subscription but then you wouldn't get the two episodes that drop every single month and the backlog continues to grow. So if you miss a bonus episode, no biggie. It will always be there for you as a subscriber. Go to auxoro.supercast.com today to get two bonus episodes per month and all that good shit I just said, auxoro.supercast.com. Now, back to the episode with Brittany. Yeah, it's like one day the Cherokee just happened to come upon these these white men and they had a negotiation at the table and the Cherokee decided on their own that, you know, it's in our it's so best nice. interest to move <laughs> where, you know what guys, we're going to make a concession for you because you're our guests and you know, that's, that's what uh, good hosts do. And we're going to move to this side of the country.
0: Yeah. We're going to give you guys <laughs> Oklahoma. It's the best part said no one ever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to thrive. You're going to love it. There's going to be a musical about it. It's yeah. a good time, yeah. No, it's uh, I I found those fun facts because I did a show, a stand up academic show in New York, and I was looking for stuff about Cher- the Cherokee, and I found this UK website. So the the fun mm-hmm. facts came from the United Kingdom, and I was like, of course they see this as fun.
1: Yeah, they came. They're over the ones here. who came over. Yep. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was. It's always different in the in the eyes of the oppressor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They always see it. They're always thriving. And the oppressed are like, help.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm realizing with so many things throughout history is that when the person who is the oppressor gets to write the history, of course, they're going to make themselves look good. It's human nature when you pick up the pen or you start typing out, you you have that own bias in your head of, okay, people are going to read this. It's going to be around, you know, maybe... Decades or hundreds or even thousands of years from now, in some cases, how can I make sure that this person has a good image of of me and my people, um, regardless of whether this stuff actually happens? Like yeah. you're, you're just writing a story and you're filling in the blanks, and you're like, "This sound this happened, but th- this sounds better. This this is, this is going to get a better reaction. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this."
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you write a bio about yourself, what do you put in the bio? You know what I'm saying? I had a drinking problem and hit my wife. Yeah. You say, I graduated from Juilliard and yeah. I performed in this. You always put your best stuff out there and how you want to be perceived.
1: And yeah, how you or, want it to you,
0: continue on.
1: Or you lead with the genocide, like you did with yeah. your first stand-up set. You just get it out of the way. You're like, this, this is this is what I'm about and this is what I did. And and now just forget about that and think about me as a person. Don't don't pay attention to all these atrocities. I wish
0: people would just like me for me and not and not what I did. You know, and I yeah. feel like that's Andrew Jackson.
1: Yeah, uh. exactly. I feel I feel I feel like people don't really get me. They 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 just get the the four million people I killed, and they. They're not really connecting to me as a person. Yeah. Andrew Jackson is like, Jackson's still, like talking to his therapist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like, why do you even care about them? I made more room for you in this country. You're welcome.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. And it's, yeah, I am um, being in the South is a little, it, it can get tricky sometimes because New Orleans is very liberal. Uh, but Louisiana as a whole is not. And mm. so I can always tell when I bring up Andrew Jackson on how people's like their knee jerk reaction to it is, um, on which side of history they fall on when I start my tours.
1: What's, what's the typical reaction of someone who is pro and, or pro Andrew Jackson, or just has a good idea of Andrew Jackson in their head. Cause I, I've been around New York my whole life and I have the, the very brief textbook overview of Andrew Jackson, but I don't have, like, if you say the word Andrew Jackson, I don't really have any emotion one way or the other if someone has a very positive view of andrew jackson what what do they typically react like on the tour
0: if you make a joke about it most people that take my tour i will say if they do like him they're closeted about it um especially when i throw out right at the beginning that i'm cherokee (laughs) so they'll be like i did have i will say the best reaction i ever had was this woman who showed up wearing a shirt saying like god bless everybody or something but then mm. told me how not to use Google because it's the devil and mm. like only to go to Q and And then I brought Andrew Jackson and she's like, <laughs> she fuck said, that don't guy. use Google,
1: but she said, don't use Google, but go to Q Yeah.
0: And then she hated Andrew, <laughs> but then she also hated Andrew Jackson. She was like, fuck that yeah. guy. Like, or am I allowed to say? Fuck
1: oh, um, okay, hundred yeah. percent. I just
0: want, I was like, I, I'm pretty sure, but I just want to make sure. But yeah, she was like, fuck that guy. And then she said, you know, she believes in God, but also she's uh, had alien encounters and she believes in ghosts. And, and, and so I was this, just like, you this, don't this, know who you are.
1: Yeah. So so this is uh, an extremely stable person. Yeah. And she, she uh, I think that's hilarious where she's like, listen, everything's a conspiracy. Don't listen to Google. Don't Don't search it. It's all going to control your search and what you're able to see. Also, you should come to this QAnon meeting later because <laughs> we really know how things are working. And it's like, ah. she pr- you should probably, uh, yeah. It's like people become their rabbit holes. Yes. Everyone's, li- everyone's literally just like a YouTube rabbit hole walking around and you can tell which rabbit holes they went down by the first three minutes of conversation. And it's like, oh, you, like, I don't even know if you believe what you're saying, but that's the rabbit hole that happened to get you. You you're you're almost a victim of that rabbit hole in a sense where where you yeah. just keep getting recommended the same shit over and over again.
0: Well, and it's also I was like I I uh, whatever whatever side you're on, like I by we're probably not going to change each other's mind by having a conversation. So at least mm. stick to the side that you believe. <laughs> it was just there were so many times when she was so close to the point, but then yeah, it, and then she told me she got she goes on the dark web. And the FBI watches her, it was just the craziest. The craziest yeah. interaction, but I also love talking to her. I was like, please just keep talking and telling me these crazy things because I love it. I love every minute yeah. of it.
1: No, that, that that's the thing. I'm I'm I, I think a lot of times, um in, in the moment, there there are conversations that I've had with people that are kind of like that, where I am talking to someone that clearly believes things that are different than me and things that I would even put into the, the sketchy, insane category, whatever it is. And it's also fun to let it go. And and rather than get defensive to just, you know, give them openings to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And I know in my head that this is all bullshit, but I, I kind of want to see like some people almost make it an art form the way they can rant. And it's entertaining to the point where I would listen to it just to, you know, mindlessly work out or something. This person's rant about QAnon where I'm like, wow, this is how some brains work. This is actually mm-hmm. fascinating that they're connecting all the, all these things. And my agreement or disagreement with them takes the back seat for a little bit. And then that part yeah. kicks in. I'm like, I should probably stop listening to this.
0: Yeah, I mean, because it it almost, it's crazy because they're not on drugs, but the way they rant is it's like, oh, what drugs are you on? Like, what got you there? Mm. Because uh, after I did acid for the first time, you know, it changed me for the better. I was like, oh, Mm. wow, I see the universe. Nothing matters. This is all stupid. We all, no one wanted to be here. Mm. None of us asked for this.
1: What what was that like, taking acid for the first time? Because I've never taking a full dose of any psychedelics I've done mushroom, like small doses of mushrooms been super high to the point where I thought someone gave me a, a joint laced, laced with LSD, but I've, I've never actually fully tripped out. What, what was that like going on your first trip?
0: Well, I made sure to do it with someone who I knew very well. She's one of my best friends. So we were just at her house. So at least it was a very comfortable environment and it was in north carolina and she her backyard is the woods so we had mm. places to walk you know walk and uh but uh yeah it, it was really fun i had my moments of crying on the kitchen floor and like i couldn't i like kept trying to leave and i couldn't like my and this body. was
1: before you took the drugs right no, crying th- on yeah. the kitchen floor.
0: And- no, yeah. I'm just- <laughs> I am like, sorry. let me get this out. I know there's a lot. Yeah,
1: you're like, and then I took the dose.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, I am. A, I do. I just started taking this acting class. And I swear to God, I've, it has unlocked an emotion in me that now everything makes me just cry. And I'm like, this is not who I am. Um, but mm. yeah, when I did acid, I kept a journal of my first acid trip. And the notes are, some might say they're sad. I think they're inspiring, um, mm. but it, I wrote down my biggest dream in this world is to live in a Christmas snow globe.
1: <laughs> mm.
0: And no, uh, I mean that's uh, that's I, very I, that's
1: very inspiring. There, there's I a lot by that. of um uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> And and then I just put like I drew like I drew this drawing, and I'm not an artist, uh, and uh, of me on a mountain, but then the earth was below us, <laughs> and I mm. was just like. You're going to be alone, but you like that. Go, girl. <laughs> and-
1: so so a lot of isolation. You you in a snow globe and then you yeah. on a mountain
0: we away from the world. We do to unpack all that. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> but it was like, it, did, was it a good sense of isolation? Was it a positive thing where you're like, yeah. I don't have to be like anyone else or everyone else. Ooh. I could just be me. Or was it more... Like you felt you were being pulled away from people.
0: Yeah, no, I uh, I like to be alone. Uh, I'm one of those in- like extroverted introverts or introverted extroverts, whatever the correct way is to say it. Uh, that's
1: that's the PC way. That I think they go by uh, extroverts now, introverts, extroverts. Now I'm just kidding. Oh. I'm. I'm f-
0: oh, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> oh God, no. I'm gonna get canceled no. for being who I am.
1: No, you yeah, leave me alone.
0: I no. I, I don't
1: think there's a, I don't think there's a, a pronoun for that yet for introverts, extroverts. Yeah, I think
0: it's, my friend told me, I think it's Omnivert. Omnivert. Uh,
1: vert fluid.
0: Vert fluid. Yes. <laughs> you, could go, you
1: could go in and out.
0: I can't be put in a box. That's the thing yeah. is sometimes I want to be outside the box having fun. And sometimes I'm like, let me be in my box and nobody bother me. Uh, mm. But uh, that's, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's, uh, but yeah, I've done, I've done acid a few times since then. It's always been a great experience. Um, uh, i so
1: think the Fr- journaling, done journaling in the French
0: quarter and fantastic. Totally recommend 10 out of 10.
1: So do you think the the journaling helped for the first time to kind of have, have a record or something to go back to, to see what was going on in your mind? Do you feel like that was helpful?
0: Yeah, I think because some people will want to film themselves and the worst thing you can do when you're tripping is get any reflection of yourself anywhere because you will not be able to stop staring at your face. And you will, like they tell people if you go really? to the bathroom, do not get caught in a mirror. You will end up being in there for hours staring at yourself. in a non-vanity really? way. Yeah.
1: So like people, people will trip out and then see themselves whatever's going on and they they won't be able to go away you'll be
0: seeing like all your pores in your face and just like doing a deep dive into it and then people are like i haven't seen britney in two hours and uh
1: yeah uh, that's wild that that should be a billboard you know in every city if you're tripping out don't look at your face in the mirror because i definitely would do that
0: if you do ask okay, it, someone yeah. there's always someone there to tell you don't get stuck in a mirror. So that's why I think yeah. I decided to journal because I was just like, well, I can just write down. But I remember I was just sitting in the chair outside. We had a campfire going, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, I need to write some shit down. And I'm like, Hannah, what journal? Yeah. She's like, okay, okay, let me get you. <laughs> let me get you a journal. It was such a supportive time. And then what was so great though is we're out in the we're standing in her woods. And I'm barefoot and I'm hugging trees. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. We're the trespassers. Like I'm having just all these great moments. And Hannah had a really good upbringing. Like both her parents were around. They were very, you know, involved in her life. I had a little bit of a different upbringing. And I was like, isn't it funny that we both had these different childhoods, but yet we're still here together doing acid in the woods. So like it, none of it yeah. matters.
1: <laughs> yeah. Every, everything in your life was leading up to that one trip.
0: But like it just doesn't to me it's like you think that only people who have are going through stuff or had it hard or this kind of thing, like they would want to do drugs. But it's like no, like everyone just psychedelics are just such a different thing. And you definitely should only do it if you're in a good mindset. But I have a theory that if all of our world leaders got together and did one big trip, everything could change.
1: Oh yeah. I I think if you got some some mushroom tea into kim jong-un and and stalin and just start crying over his dad oh oh yeah (laughs) you you just you get them all together and you you show them you know pictures of people uh you know people that are doing well and then you have that contrasted with people that are starving in the streets and then you kind of mix that all together in like this uh zoolander brainwash montage of do good for the world when he's just sitting in front of the TV, like <laughs> strapped in that scene, like you were going to kill the Malaysian prime minister. And it's, uh, instead it's like, you're going to stop killing people in North Korea. Yes. I think, uh,
0: you're not th- going to yeah, kill that- them for laughing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, uh, your brain turns and, and I'm just, I'm speaking from a place of just reading about it, the effects that it has on people. But it, it seems like psychedelics have this malleable quality to your neurons where they they grow a little bit and change a little bit and you're sus- you're more susceptible in that state to make changes in your personality and in your habits so it's not far-fetched to think that if you could drug a world leader that was doing some bad shit and you got them in some trip state you know kidnap them for a few hours
0: yeah, it's the new Taken movies. Them, Liam, yeah, Liam re, Neeson yeah. takes them and shoves psychedelics in their body. Oh Yeah,
1: oh my, yeah, oh my <laughs> God. If Liam Neeson kidnapped King Jong-un and then and then forced him to go on a trip and the I whole movie you. was- the, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will find you and I will kill you. And then Kim Jong-un realizes he was talking to his ego, yes. his, his inner self. And he's like, my ego is now dead.
0: Yeah, like it's just, it's so crazy because I totally understand- the effects of doing too many psychedelics and that it can then take over. And those are people who have now left all aspects of reality. Um, but I will say it changed me after I did it, where I just started seeing things differently, where I was just more open. And, uh, when I, when I have a problem, I'm stressed out and I'll just think bigger, bigger picture. And, you know, one day uh, we're, I'm going to die and then finally I'll be free. Uh, and that's what keeps me going. Yeah.
1: Is is there uh <laughs> Is there a specific incidence where you thought to yourself, "I would not have done this if I didn't take psychedelics or, or you wouldn't have made this connection in your mind or treated a person this way if it wasn't for those trips?"
0: I feel like I am just more free in my in my thinking, and mm. um i've I was raised super religious and uh, conservative. And then mm. I moved to New York City when I was 22, and uh, everything changed. Uh, sometimes my family says I met the devil, and uh, but your, you know, your
1: family says you're at the devil.
0: But like I met the devil, yeah. That, oh, you like, met the devil. The, okay. That, uh, New York is New York changed me. Wh- and I where sit- did
1: you come from? Uh, from Bakersfield, uh, California. Bakersfield, okay. So that's conservative, conservative town.
0: Very one of the most conservative in California. Mm. Kern County, baby. Uh yeah, it's so I that's why when people say that people can't change their mind, I'm like, guys, uh, yes yeah. you can. <laughs> it's the unwillingness too. And I do think mm. that after I did acid, it made me even more which this will probably be a turn off for some people, but I do feel like it made me more liberal, just in the sense of um really caring about human rights. <laughs> and people being treated equally and it made me not so uh self-focused of like if we're gonna be on earth I would like it to be an enjoyable experience for everybody
1: Mm. yeah like do good because you can and because we're all here together
0: and not because you're getting a tax write-off
1: yeah (laughs) that's 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 a plus I gotta I gotta learn how to do that it seems like uh you know, something that all the rich people are doing these days. So,
0: yeah, it's Um, just like, I don't know. It's just crazy to me to not care about others just because you can't see them or they're not around you. It's just, it's mm. crazy. And I do think that I do think psychedelics helped me just not be afraid to tap into that because Mm. when I start thinking about all the bad things in the world, it does make me really sad. And so then I'll be like, okay, now I need to watch Friends or something (laughs) just to like numb my brain. Um, But I don't, I think that the problem is most of the people that have the money that could help don't. So it falls on the people who have the the least, you know? Mm, So it's like if we could just switch that. And, and have the people have the money, be like, okay, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Find all these people that are already trying to do good but don't have the funds, you know? Anyway, I have all these ideas. Yeah. I'm an, I, I'm an no, idea yeah. person. That's, <laughs> so many ideas, yeah. no follow-through. <laughs> that's, that's me. No, but
1: I mean, ta- talking about it is the first step. A lot of people, most ideas never get into the speech stage. They just float away in the mind and... People and myself included, there's most of my ideas just kind of flow out and some of them I write down, most of them I never say. So there is something to just talking it out first to see if it's valid and to kind of check the logic of it. And then you can kind of move into the, the next stages.
0: Yeah. Like once I become rich and famous, first thing I'm doing is I'm something with shelter dogs or shelter animals. I'm like, I don't know what I got to do, but I want to own 10 dogs. And I want to have a farm yeah. and I want them to be free. Maybe some, yeah. some sheeps. Uh, so,
1: like a, uh, like a free range, free range situation, but for, for dogs. And, but, and then you don't, you don't kill them at the end.
0: No, God. Unless they're an asshole. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just, just the pieces of shit.
0: Yeah. Just um, the, just the, no, there's no bad dogs. I I'm, no, I love all dogs. I love all dogs. They're all fantastic. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm uh, I, I I think you definitely find people that are down with that cause to to get more dogs together and uh, to like, uh, create, Tiffany, create Tiffany that Haddish? farm situation.
0: You know who Tiffany Haddish yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's opening um, a grocery store, like a chain of grocery stores in LA because uh, I think, in, I can't remember what she said, what part of LA, but I think it's where she grew, an area kind of where she grew up And because they got rid of one of the main grocery stores. Mm. And so she's putting her money into building these grocery stores because there's a lot of black owned businesses that will be able to put their products in her grocery stores. Mm. So that's her trying, which I thought was just really cool. I was like, that's such a cool way. And people are like, well, why isn't already going? She's like, there's so much red tape. You don't even realize. Yeah. Just to do it. But I think that's really cool that she's, you know, that she's doing that.
1: Yeah, well, that that's uh like going back to the tax write-offs. There are good things that can come from writing off taxes like in that yeah. situation. I I don't, I don't know how she filed it, but if she created a business to, to put um the black, to give more opportunities to black-owned businesses, if she created her own business to do that, then you can write that off through your own LLC and, and whatever company you set up. And so people, I don't think a lot of people are aware. And the only reason I'm aware of it is because I took accounting classes in college, but you can create a corporation and then spend money. And then the money that you spend is considered an expense and you can just write it off. And and there's no, as long as it's not illegal, you can basically do whatever you want. So there, there are a lot of situations where people are taking advantage of the law, but then there's also situations where people use, that tax write off for good. So,
0: oh, yeah. I mean, I, use the law for you to help. If if you have to use mm-hmm. the law, if you can't help others without going through the law, then use the law to help you and to help others. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. Like, if we could all get all the billionaires together and, and give them psychedelic doses and be like, don't you want to do dope Sign shit with tech. your money? Yeah. Sign this don't you? Check right here. <laughs> Don't don't you want to do? We we take all the the cool billionaires that are already doing cool shit with their money, and when we put them all in a group, and and we we dose the non cool billionaires, and we say, don't you want to be cool? Don't you want to do dope shit? You know you can't. But they're spend going this. to
0: space now. That's the problem.
1: Yeah, they're leaving. <laughs> so so they're just like we're some of them are just like we're done with humanity. They're not even no, investing
0: in your community. They won't even invest in their own w- earth, like in their own yeah. world. They're like we're sorry. There's other worlds that we can't wait to destroy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, they go on TV and they, they have interviews and they, they'll say, you know, I want to do all I can to help this world. And and I believe we can save this planet. And then another part of them behind closed doors is like, I think we need to get the fuck out of (laughs) here. We should, uh, we should go to another planet and, uh, kind of chill there.
0: I say good riddance, you know? That's, uh, here's the thing. I don't trust space and I don't trust the ocean. Uh, and in, in the you don't sense trust of the ocean, I don't trust things that I can't figure out. So like space, there's so much that obviously we have never explored. And I'm like, there is stuff out there. I'm not ready to see same with the ocean. As soon as you mm-hmm. get to the dark spots and it's just a deep abyss, no mm-hmm. thank you. Where do all these uh, what is it the myths and the legends come from? They come from somewhere, okay. Mermaids are real. That's what I'm saying, Zag. Mermaids are real.
1: (laughs) I I I can't disprove that.
0: They're like, oh yeah, too many psychedelics with this one. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm sure if I take enough, I I will actually see a mermaid. Maybe if I look in the mirror, that's that's why no one looks in the mirror because everyone just sees himself as a mermaid with a
0: fork just brushing.
1: Yeah, brushing your exactly. hair like Ariel Here, here's uh, <laughs> the the other side of that is before you started comedy to you wasn't that like an abyss that was like a dark thing where you weren't sure what would happen and you went into comedy like it was kind of this this funny ocean where people are just floating around and some people are at the top some people start and they just sink to the bottom and other people are kind of just in the middle wasn't wouldn't most things in life be like kind of that untapped, unexplored ocean in that sense where you don't really know what it is until you get into it?
0: I mean, what I'm hearing is that one, you think I'm a marine biologist and an astronaut. So thank you so much Mm, for comparing me to that. Uh,
1: Two things I've never wanted to be. You're you're a a comedic explorer um, in the, the open sea sense. Yeah, uh,
0: last night I had a teacher on my tour and she was like, "You know, you comedians are just like teachers." And I was like, "I think people are giving comedians way too much credit."
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, screw, we should screw the teacher salary. We should just give it all to to comedians.
0: I mean, please. Uh I would love just a salary. That would be fantastic. Yeah. I would uh No, I mean, I it's so funny because performing for me has never been doesn't mean I don't get nervous. I obviously get nerves no matter what. Um, even before my tours, I get nervous cause you don't know who's going to be on your tour and what their energy is going to be. And are we going to get along and please let them laugh at my jokes. So I don't want to go home and kill myself. Um, but, uh, it, I just, it, it's something that has always felt so right that it sounds so cliche mm. when people say like I was born to do this, but I'm not kidding. I don't know what else I could possibly do. If there was something yeah. else I was remotely good at, I would do it.
1: So you you feel yeah, I I I think it's there there are certain things that people are predisposed to being good at different levels of talent and and things like that. But there is that other Choice aspect where you kind of you, you keep digging into something like comedy, and you you realize how how much better you can get, and all there is to telling good jokes, and you know, uh, in in a way with podcasting, I I felt like I had some natural ability to to go on rants and have conversations with people who, you know, mostly didn't want to kill themselves. So I was like, "Oh, I kind of I there there might be something here. Maybe I should do podcasting." I didn't even know I wanted to do uh podcasting until I recorded a conversation. So was it did you know you wanted to do something in comedy even before comedy or was it more you realized looking back on it that there was no other way like everything was leading up to here and I don't think I would have the same passion or or level of commitment to something else.
0: Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't come from any entertainment background in terms of my family. Like nobody else is in the arts in my, like that I'm close with at all in my family. Mm. So I never had that push from that for anything. It was always, get a, get a job that you can get a retirement for later on. Um, but I always felt it. I felt from a young age that I wanted to be a performer and I would perform for my stuffed animals, like whoever I could, I would used to charge my family money to have me sing and dance for them. Um, that, and that's,
1: that's how you got to do it. You got to know your value at the start. Not, I mean, not enough, I wish not, I
0: could have that same courage of charging people 25 cents. I was like, where's yeah. that girl? Come yeah, back. You
1: listen, listen, I know, I know I, I love you and I, I know you're my family, but I'm not opening up these golden pipes unless you open up your wallet and that's the way it has to be. And I'll see you next Christmas.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's exactly <laughs> it. it is here. Do you yeah. want, you want to say you, inv- I'm an investment. Okay. You mm-hmm. wanna say if you're all conservatives, they're all about investing and the money and all these things. So I'm like, come on. Come on. Yeah. Write me you're off gonna, as, for your taxes. I don't care. You know, I'll yeah, be an entity. It,
1: if you if you get in if if the if your family invested in the beginning in the in the very early stages, that means that they're gonna get a bigger reward later on. It's all it's all return on investment. R-O-I. Uh stock stock market. Stock, okay. stock market. Stock market one oh one, you take a bigger risk, you get rewarded for it. So you, you wanna invest
0: Bitcoin, crypto, yes. all right? These are words.
1: They yes. <laughs> and and you need to uh you need to tell your family if, if you get in on the bottom floor, you will get a bigger reward when I'm on the top floor. And I can't promise the same thing if you wait till the top to get in. I, I need to feel that energy right now.
0: Yeah, and I, I will say that uh there's something to be said about really having to force yourself to want it because you do and not because people are pushing you towards it. So I think for me, the biggest change in the last couple months has just been allowing myself to say, okay, yes, this is what I want to do. And I need to Mm -hmm. know my worth and I need to allow myself the chance to fail, to succeed and allow myself grace and time to flourish because, um, When I started my tour, like it's been just, it's just been so great. And doing the tour has made me realize I want more than that, where some people can just be happy giving tours for the rest of their life. Mm. Uh, But it's just not, it's not something I want. It's just a way for me to make money being funny and talking about a topic that I love while I'm doing all my other stuff.
1: Yeah. You basically created your own venue to work out material yeah. and work out, uh, whether it's tour comedy or combined, you can take your research, you can apply it and you can do however many tours you do a day. And you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, whether you have a spot that night or, or going between four different yeah, clubs working that muscle, I'm sure,
0: constantly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm sure, I'm, and I'm I'm sure you're doing that anyway, but, but to have the tour locked down where, you know, okay, I'm going to be talking to eight people, you know, five, seven, 10 times this week. And I have those reps no matter what, that's a pretty powerful thing.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it's helped me realize that the more I lean into who I am, the more fun it is for everybody too. So instead of trying to please people. And that doesn't mean you don't. I will say the thing with stand-ups is when people say, like, fuck this audience, blah, 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 to an extent. But also, it's really good to be self-aware and to know how to pivot. So when I used to do stand-up in New York, if I had an audience that I could tell they liked me, but my material just wasn't vibing Mm -hmm. with them, um, I would go to crowd work. I'm like, okay. Let's figure out, I, I got to figure out these people. What do they no. like? But a lot of comics can't or won't, and they don't want to do it because they're like, well, I wrote this stuff. And to me, that's the difference in people who create for self indulgence reasons because it's all about them rather than wanting to help people and leave them feeling better, entertaining them. So for me, no matter what I'm doing, if it's stand up, singing, acting, writing. It's always because I want people to be able to escape, even if it's like a tough topic. I just want people to have a good time. I can, I just consider myself an entertainer and it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about the people. It's about the people and bringing joy and bringing us closer together with our shared experiences, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I, I always get so excited and scared at the same time when a comedian does crowd work because I think I'm going to get picked on and just torn to shreds. Um, which most of the time doesn't happen. It's mostly just playful. And banner. it shouldn't
0: B- be. You shouldn't. He- you shouldn't shit on your audience unless one, it's a roasting show, or um, they're heckling you. And even then, you still have to do it in a way that doesn't make the audience feel, oh crap, this is really uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, I, I always, I always appreciate when a comic turns to the audience where they start doing crowd work because yes i do want to hear good material and i do really enjoy hearing great jokes and i could tell you know the timings there sometimes comics will even say you know i'm I'm working this out after yeah. but i i always appreciate uh I, I appreciate a great set with jokes that a comic comes into ahead of time but then when they turn to crowd work, there's almost this thing in me that goes, Oh fuck, like he's going off the script here. Let's let's see what happens. Or she's going off the script here, you know. Th- this is not pre-planned. This person could say anything. There's like a wild element in that moment, especially in a small club where a comic will pick their head up and start looking around and just be like, You guys together? And that starts yeah. could turn into like a four-minute rant sometimes uh depending on how much they're getting from that person or what they're getting from that person. That could turn into, you know, half of a 15 minute set is just talking to a couple of yeah, people. Mean, so and it
0: shouldn't unless they're your material, something's just not clicking with the material. Yeah. Like always come in ready to do your set. Um but my favorite show I ever did was at the Grizzly Pear in the West Village and it was a midnight show. So, your audience, you'd never know what audience you're getting on a midnight show. Sometimes it's just a bunch of drunk people that you conned into paying (laughs) to come watch stand up. Oh, yeah. But this audience, they weren't, they were not into people who were not dark. And so I get up there and I am doing some jokes and it's going okay. And then I just look at them and I go, Y'all want dark? And they're like, Fuck yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Are you (laughs) sure? (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) Because I the am the queen like, of darkness. So yeah, if guy, you want
1: <laughs> Some guy stands up, he's like, I'm ready to kill myself right
0: now. Let's go. And I'm go. like, great. <laughs> same, same. Um yeah. so I did uh, all this material. I was uh, I was raped when I was 19 and I have all these jokes about it. That's one been very therapeutic, but I, I don't bring it out every time. You just you feel when it's the right moment to bring it up and it killed. And it was, I mean, it was. It felt like I had just like got a standing O at Madison Square Garden, like mm-hmm. it. And it was in this tiny little little backspace of the bar, and I had women come up to me after and like thank me because they had never been able to laugh about what happened to them. And it was. I even had a guy come up to me and tell me like he was assaulted, but no one takes it seriously because mm-hmm. he's a man. And it was just it was, it, but it, there were so many laughs. Like, people were laughing. So, like, afterwards, it came the reflection and, like, all the more somber stuff. But in the moment, it was fantastic. And we were just like, oh, yeah, this is what we're laughing about tonight, you know? Yeah. And those moments, to me, are, like, why I feel like why I, well, for me, that's why I perform, is mm-hmm. to, I just want people to leave either, Hopefully something makes them feel a little bit better. Maybe they're still depressed, but at least like, well, at least I know this person's depressed with me and we've gone through the same stuff, you know?
1: Yeah. There's a, there's a conversation that I've had probably four or five times in different kind of energy levels and different sort of forms, which is that jokes about certain things just are never funny And I've had conversations with people that say, you know, you can't tell jokes about rape. You can't tell jokes about pedophiles. Can't tell jokes about, you know, whatever, certain gender, race, um, whatever it is. And what I always go back to is that, yes, those issues on their own are not funny. What you just said, rape, that's not funny. What you just said, uh, the, whatever it is, um you know, just saying trans people isn't funny, but a comic's job is to make things about that funny. Like a good comic can make you laugh at a joke about rape or about pedophiles or, or whatever it is. And and I've heard so many, um, uh, comics on, on podcasts. Cause I, I love podcasts hosted by standup comedians, which, uh, by the way, can you plug your podcast? is a, a good good spot to stop oh, uh
0: yeah it's called death obsessed with brit and molly very upbeat title i know um but yeah yes. it's basically just dark history folklore uh just just shooting the shit try and do it in a, all these dark topics in a light fun way um but yeah it's on apple whatever podcast Spotify. i'm not good at the marketing
1: Oh, I'll, 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 I'll. It'll be all linked. It'll be all linked to the conversation. You guys definitely should go check it out. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I've heard so many comics tell jokes about those sort of quote unquote off limits, off limits topics that have been absolutely hilarious, and a lot of those comics are are speaking from their own personal experience. That's the and key too. Yeah, and part of their healing process. See It seems like they're being funny about it to get through it. And then it's also providing entertainment to the audience. So it's not like this comic is just up there, you know, being a martyr and saying like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this to talk about this experience that happened to me that's off limits because I'm just trying to get laughs. It's like, no, like they're probably thinking about a lot of that same shit, they probably thought about it a thousand times in their head that pops up when you have that sort of trauma and then you work it out as a stand-up comedian. It's your job to make your experiences funny. Mm -hmm. And so that comes out in the form of a rape joke that's hilarious or a a sexual assault joke, whatever it is. I'd like to
0: point out that when you're doing material that's considered, you know, quote, taboo, um, it's not that... Again, like you're saying, rape isn't funny. And also, you should never punch down at the survivor or the victim, right? That's what I think people are not understanding with the mm-hmm. darker topics is mm-hmm. no one's saying you can't joke about these topics. But who are you joking about? Who Who, who is mm-hmm. getting the laugh? Who is who is Who are the people laughing at? Is it the rapist or is it the victim? Because if it's the rapist and our, you were laughing about the rapist, our rape culture all these things, that's completely different. But if you're punching down at a victim, then it's like, why are you, why? This just feels like you just wanna say these like hateful things you have inside of you, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I just listened to a comedian named Hannah Dickinson on the Honeydew podcast with Ryan Sickler. And one of the funniest things I've heard in a long time on a podcast is her describing a situation where she got raped by an uber driver an uber driver dragged her out of an uber um she she was passed out she tells the whole story on the honeydew for anyone who wants to look it up the honeydew with ryan sickler with hannah dickinson but she she went through that whole experience and then woke up the next morning not knowing where she was realized what had happened and then also was looking at her phone was there she had a designer purse and she was like I was raped, but also this guy missed a lot of opportunities to steal my shit. Like yes. he's he's not that smart. Like he could have stole a designer purse. Nothing
0: like, worse than a stupid rapist. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only said, exactly. high intelligence for me. Yeah, All she's right? like,
1: yeah. Her takeaway was like, wow, this guy really missed a lot of opportunities here. Um,
0: and then you're now you're roasting it. your rapist. <laughs> you know what I exactly, mean? Like yeah. you just you're like this. That's what we should do. Is we should have a show where we just roast our rapist. Um,
1: <laughs> that's that. I could see that getting picked up by Comedy Central. And if it doesn't, someone should pick it up. Don't
0: take Don't take it. It's been copyrighted here. Please. This is all I have. Don't yes. take these things from me.
1: <laughs> no, but yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it was hilarious the way that she w- was talking about it. And it was, it wasn't absurd. It it was, just these true, honest thoughts that were we all so, have cra- we
0: all have crazy thoughts about yeah. things, and when you are when you're when you work in a medium that requires you to be observant, and when you start training that muscle and you keep training it, now all I do is I just I'm observing constantly, and I'll hear a conversation and I'll start writing down the conversation notes in my phone. But like the guy who raped me, it was in this gross motel in North Hollywood. And I, I'm ashamed about that. <laughs> like, mm. it didn't even have a scan card. It was a key. You know what I mean? Like, in terms of uh, luxury, I did not have her luxury. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, you're I like-
0: was wearing an Abercrombie and Fitch sweater and Reef flip flops. It was not my best fashion moment. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're like the, the, this guy. His budget was not as high as it should have. And been.
0: that's aff- that's actually more offensive than getting raped. <laughs> is that i was not worth at least a motel six um i was uh yeah but it's it's that's how you have that's the thing how you have to look at it is everyone has so many bad things happen to them and people who haven't that's great but most of us have and i've always been a the silver lining of a dark side that's just my how i view things um, so you can give me like a murder-suicide and I'll tell you something good that can come from that. Like that's just how I look at <laughs> – I have this weird yeah. optimism. Uh, yeah, But I'm also the, filled with dread.
1: <laughs> oh. Yeah. There, there's uh, – somewhere in there there's a, a book called, you know, A, a Thousand Ways – A Thousand Good Things About Murder-Suicide. Something like that. It's like here's the things you didn't know about murder-suicide.
0: One, um, just get like your the, name d- in the paper. <laughs> Let yeah. me tell you, I'm the only performer in my family. Do you know who's been in the news before me? My dad, because he was on meth and stole a chemical trailer, and my brother was the first sheriff in his group to catch COVID last year and made the news. I have not.
1: So what you're saying is, you need to catch COVID and start doing meth, and that's gonna get and you, the order get your doesn't matter. There.
0: It, yeah. it can go either or.
1: Pro- probably at the same time. you will probably be taking a hit off of someone's COVID pipe. And then, you know, hopefully two birds, one stone. So you can still get to your set that night. You don't have to waste yeah, any more well, time. Yeah, well,
0: fingers crossed I don't get COVID before January 3rd because that's when I fly uh, to go film Better Call Saul. So I'm just like, please do not let me get sick <laughs> uh,
1: before that, this that that's awesome better call saul that's that's uh, well, that's amazing and the
0: irony that my dad was a meth addict and i do so many jokes about breaking bad and my dad and the first tv mm. show i book is better call saul and i'm in the scene with the woman named kim and that's my mom's name
1: mm. the so universe you've been researching
0: i've been manifesting you, this
1: yeah you've been researching this role for years you you are prepared even. to step in
0: I was born into this. Some might say it's nepotism. Yes. This is what yes. nepotism
1: is. Yes, I'm. I'm so. I'm so sick of nepotism in Hollywood. I'm. I'm so sick of people getting roles because Hi-ya. their dad was also a meth addict. It's like I wasn't as lucky for my dad to have a meth addiction, and so that's. I'm, I'm just time, so sick of it. Unless yeah. your
0: dad has passed on, that I don't know about. There,
1: there's still time. I'm, okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Whew plan out <laughs> something. I'm going to plan out something with my mom to, s- to slowly, to slowly slip him into his addiction. We'll, we'll come up with a whole, a but whole I'm, 2022. I'm tired of
0: people getting mad about that too. Cause it's just like, everyone has their own path. I just haven't had to work as hard as others. And that's not my fault.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You're, you've been given the privilege of having a meth addicted parent and not a lot of people have been graced with that. You've gotten such a head start in Hollywood and it's about time you started giving back. That's why I had you on the podcast (laughs) because this is an intervention.
0: You know, it's just too many good things have happened. I am, uh, you know, I'm 33 and my roommate is a ghost. There's a sitcom in there somewhere.
1: (laughs) Yes. Well, um, S- speaking, speaking of the speaking of ghosts, speaking of observational comedy, observing things, um, one of the experiences that you told us you observed on the tour was you actually met a vampire, a vampire of New Orleans and her donor. Would you blood be donor. able to blood donor? Yes. Would Could you get into that story and and how all that happened and what that was like? being in the presence of a New Orleans vampire.
0: It was insane. Uh, you know, you 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 think you'll always be ready and you're open until it happens and you're like, oh. um, Yeah, so I was just walking down the street with my friend Jen and we're just peeking into a window at this hotel just like, oh, that looks like a nice hotel. And this woman walks up to us with her man following behind her and, and she's like, hi, are you looking for the Ursuline convent? Totally unprompted. Like we had no comfort, there was no eye contact nothing and I, and i was like no uh we're just uh out here strolling around and the way she was dressed she was dressed very gothic and her fangs were like this big on each side of her mouth and i thought she was a vampire tour guide because that's how a lot of them dress here so she just looked how, the
1: part how old was she about older or younger or?
0: late 20s 30s somewhere in somewhere in there
1: yeah, she well, appeared at, she appeared 20 or 30. We so don't she, really
0: know if she was born yeah. in the 1700s or not. I did not ask yeah, that, to see her papers. Um, I didn't even know how to really speak to her. Um, and and her man that was with her didn't have any things, but was dressed the same way. So mm. we start talking to her. Well, I couldn't really say anything. My friend Jen was taking over for me. and And she tells us she's a vampire and that this is her blood donor. And that she is from New Orleans, but now lives in Indiana, so gentrifying much. And uh, <laughs> brought brought her blood donor yeah. to New Orleans, so uh, so they could she could show him the vampire culture in New Orleans, mm. and was very mm. clear of like this is my blood donor. Casual. So she,
1: yeah. So she was on almost like a a parent would bring their child back to their hometown to say, this is where I grew up. And this this was the vampire bringing her donor back to the new Orleans kind of culture vibe to say, this is, you know, this is where, this is where it all started.
0: Yeah. This is where my, I got my first pints of blood. uh, (laughs) O positive. What up? And Yeah. uh, yeah. And so then she was like, yeah, I'm taking him to an event. And so uh, then I got curious because now I'm like, ooh, what's this other cool vampire place I don't know about? And she said they were on their way to a riverboat cruise. So mm. very wholesome. Be-
1: very, very classy. That I, I can't, you know, I, I can't imagine what I would be thinking in that moment. That That's kind of one of the situations where I would think that this is ridiculous. You know, how, how does this woman live like this? But then also, it's interesting and engaging. If someone walked up to me on the street and was talking about their vampirism, I w- it would be so ridiculous, but so like this opportunity may never happen again to, to walk around and talk to someone who believes that they're a vampire. And I want to just see how this person's mind works from that standpoint.
0: And like, how I did mean, they get into She's that? not hurting anybody. Anyone who's yeah. a donor volunteers and they all get tested before they drink from them. Mm-hmm. So they're not hurting anyone. And if that's what they believe and they feel, mm-hmm. and they're not hurting anybody, then okay. And uh, but yeah, I was I'm very rarely ever speechless. Uh I'm a talker. And uh I was like. Yeah. I did not know. And my, thank God my friend Jen was keeping the conversation going because I was like, wow, I have been in so many situations where I have to pivot and I have to go off script. And this moment, I felt myself. And, what, uh,
1: what did she seem like outside of being a vampire? Did she seem like a chill person? Did she seem so weird calm. or awkward? She's very calm.
0: Very definitely. I don't think I could have ever hung out with her. Um, she was just so. But that's not because she's a vampire. That's just because I don't really do well with like super chill people that are chill 24 mm. seven. Um, mm. And chill people don't usually do well with me either. <laughs> either. It's just yeah. too, too much. Um, but it was just very, just, and I felt like she was putting a spell on me, even though she's not a witch. It just felt like I was in this trance and her blood donor looked like really? she was about to pass out. Yeah.
1: So you think she was, she was done feeding at that point? Like she had just, she had just drank this guy's blood. Poor
0: guy. He, it wasn't, because you know how you can tell when people are drunk and they're, they have that drunk energy. He did not have mm. drunk energy. He had, I just donated at like the Red Cross or whatever. And I yeah, didn't get had, an apple juice did, or a cookie. <laughs> like I need to sit down. Yeah.
1: yeah. He, he, he had that uh, health clinic energy. Yes, come yeah. Out yeah. Not, like, not
0: bar. Um, and also this was it. I mean, it wasn't super like early. It was what? four in the afternoon. So, I mean, obviously you can be drinking and being drunk at that time, especially in New Orleans. Mm. Um, but it was just so, it was just so bizarre. And I'm so happy it happened and it happened on Cinco de Mayo. So I'll never forget that day. Mm. Um, but yeah, and it's fun. I'm glad it happened because it's fun to tell my tours too, you know, to it's all people and I'm not yeah. lying.
1: Yeah. The, so did she, did she get into the process of how, she actually drinks the blood? Like, does she, does she physically bite this dude? Does he put it in a bag or something and then she drinks it like a Capri Sun? Like, did, did she talk about how that stuff works? I mean,
0: come on, Zach. Like, what do you talk about on a first date? You know, like, we just met I, each other.
1: You, you asked that person, if you were to suck my blood, how would you do it? I just want to know. Like, I'm not saying it's going to happen. We'll see. Thir- That's third date territory. But like, if you yes. were going to, how would you do it?
0: We we swapped stories. I said, Well, when I drink uh, you know, coffee, this is how I do it. Now you tell me how you drink yours. Uh yes. <laughs> caffeinated, decaffeinated, yeah. what is that? Yeah. No, um, we didn't get we didn't get into it because one, she was they were running late to the okay. riverboat cruise. I mean, we were in they were in transit. but there is a I can't remember if I told you guys on the tour, but there is a um Documentary on Netflix called Dark Tourist, and Dark Tourist,
2: and it has I'll a fifteen-minute
0: section on the vampires of New Orleans, and they show you drink how they drink and do all that stuff, and none of it's gory. It's very fascinating. That was how I learned most of my vampire stuff for my tour. It was from this documentary because they go straight to the source. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, that's um, I, one of the the things that stuck out on the tour for me was just the culture of vampirism in new Orleans and how I think you said there's 300 active yeah. vampires. Also, or something. I've
0: added this joke to my tour that I thought was so, I was thought it was very obvious that it was a joke. So I say the 300, I go, we have 300 vampires. How do we, how do we get that number? They filled out their census and everyone <laughs> thinks I'm being serious.
1: Yeah, like I, uh you get a, a paper mail <laughs> to your house and they're like, We're just we're just checking in like uh you know, Caucasian black vampire. I yeah, I, prefer, tell the, I tell them I them prefer the most not checked, to say.
0: Yeah, I tell them the most checked box is Latina vampire. And mm. they all think they go, Latina? really? And I'm not like only three people out of all the people I've told this to now all think I'm being serious.
1: That just makes it even better. If I, if I if I was on the tour and I watching people seriously Google like Latina vampire, you know, like what's the looking for something on the history channel about how Latina Latinas came the the dominant like, wow, culture so, for vampires.
0: I support that diversity. Yeah, it's so it's so funny because I one I'm really good at if I want people to believe something I'm saying when I'm lying, I'm really good at holding a straight face and making them be like, "I can't tell." But then I also love mm. that New Orleans is so magical and confusing to people that they're like, if it was ever, if any place was ever going to have a census for vampires, it would be New Orleans. So they're yeah. they're actually thinking logically <laughs> when they mm. think that it's a real thing.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I was only in New Orleans for a weekend, but I feel like I was more open to believing in more supernatural things or things that I would consider absurd Mm
2: -hmm. in New
1: York. Like, like there's definitely, um, there's there's definitely more of a wall. Yeah. There's definitely more of a wall between the supernatural and the way that I think in New York, as opposed to somewhere like New Orleans, where you're just surrounded by it. You can almost feel a difference when, when every every other building that you're walking by has been haunted by someone or there's a story behind it. It's you literally feel it coming off of the buildings and there is something there to, to being in the place and, you know, kind of feeling opened up because of that energy.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I love it. It's, I love just walking around and being like, yeah, I'm sure someone died here. Someone did. And I mean, think about, we're surrounded by so many cemeteries. New Orleans is actually not a very big city. I think people think it's really big. It is very easy to go from one side to the other and to drive Mm. around. Um, And then the French Quarter is so tiny. You can walk the French Quarter so easily. But yeah, we're just surrounded by cemeteries. We're surrounded just by every... I mean, they say there's more dead people than alive people in New Orleans.
1: I believe it. Especially the ghosts hanging around. If you count that in the dead census, they're yes. still act. They're, they're still like, there. I might
0: be dead, but I am thriving. So you better mm. count me, bitch. Yes. Okay, I bring in tourism. Like our dead bring in tourism.
1: Yeah, that that that's hilarious. You <laughs> you open up a uh, a book for the states and and their number one uh, kind of like export that brings in tourism. It's like Texas guns, California weed. Louisiana ghosts.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's people come here just for that stuff. Just to ever people, so many people want to take a ghost tour. And I try to, I really try and do my best also to not lie. And if I'm lying, it's because I'm saying a joke usually. Mm. And then I'm like, guys, I'm just kidding. Like, I was fucking with you. Um, But I do my best to tell you the history as it's been passed down, it's been told, it's been written because New Orleans has such interesting history. You don't have to make it up.
1: Mm. What's your, what's your favorite supernatural experience to talk about? Cause you mentioned a couple on the tour. Is there, is there an experience that stands out to you above the rest that you've had that you could kind of walk us through?
0: Well, I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure I told you guys about my missing forks in my apartment. Uh, the,
1: the missing forks. I, all I, my forks, I think so. That
0: I, rings a bell. And it's been it's been a minute since obviously so much has happened in the last like two months. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, but yeah, so I don't take offense that you don't remember every part of my tour,
1: <laughs> I did. know the, miss, oh. the missing forks do ring a bell, though.
0: So my so this apartment I'm currently in my studio in the French mm. Quarter. Um, it came completely furnished, and I don't have a dishwasher. There's nowhere for things to fall under cracks and hide. Um, And it even came with all my cutlery, but all of my forks since I've moved in have gone missing. Mm.
1: Never, never found them anywhere in the apartment.
0: And I have clean, I have checked four, four forks.
1: And you're, you're living, you have a roommate or you you... No, it's just me. It's just you.
0: My apartment is 200 square feet. Where are my the forks sing, at?
1: The singing lady above you, do you think she's using it as like a tuning fork or something? Because that's why um, she's so I bad. I hope she would cause... stab herself in the <laughs> eye
0: with it. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hit your vocal cords. You don't need them. Sell, yeah. your, sell your voice to freaking Ursula. You're done. Yeah. Uh, so
1: for, the forks are, forks are gone. Forks
0: They're nowhere are gone. to be found. I did have a weird experience happen um, a couple months ago my I had some friends visiting from new york, and uh so after the hurricane happened, I had these li- I have these lights that go around my front door, and mm. they stopped working like I bought them they are solar powered right so ever since the hurricane, they stopped working because I guess the water drowned them and killed them um, <laughs> when the hurricane happened here mm. so we were sitting in my courtyard, and my friend joseph he starts asking oh, tell me about your ghost in your apartment. And I was like, well, rule number one, you don't talk about a ghost when you're in their presence because then they cling on to that energy and then they will show themselves even more. That's just, for anyone out there who doesn't know the rules uh, of energies and stuff, that's what it, that's why when you don't believe, you're pr- more than likely not to ever have anything happen to change your mind because you're not accepting of it.
1: Yeah, you gotta leave makes, the door open. Uh, yeah, you gotta leave it open at least a little bit if you're ever gonna- have a chance at experiencing something supernatural. You can't, you can't just be like, everything is not a possibility. You know, nothing's ever going to happen. You got to at least have like a 1% crack in the door for something to.
0: Literally branding and everything always, it's always the same thing. Even with ghosts, like say you're wanting, you want to be a comedian, right? Or whatever. And you're still going to have your own specific brand. You're not going to try and please everybody. If I want people to love me, am I going to go to a comedy club that I know hates women who talks about rape? No. Mm. Okay. I'm going to go to a place that I know is super accepting and wants this this material. Same with the ghost. Just because they're dead doesn't mean they want to feel rejection. They're not going to go around you. Okay. Mm. So when you start talking about them, the scientists say, that they cling on yes. to energy. So I always tell people, do not. And I'm talking about her right now. But just so you know, this is not. This is not for you. Okay. Just had to yes, get
1: so them. and I, I can. I can let her know too. I'm after. Sage. I'm gonna just. I can, <laughs> I, I, I can I can send a a cut of the podcast to her before so she can listen to it and improve. You can just kind of play it out in your yes. apartment and then and then because uh, I, I don't want to invite more energy than would be good for you.
0: And uh, yeah, so he starts asking about her. And I was like, Joseph, please stop it. Like, do not. She's. We can talk about it outside of my apartment, right? So these lights that have not turned on, I tried to work them, but I was too lazy to take them down. So they're still hanging on my door. They start blinking when he's talking about Mm. her. And I said, you need to go inside and apologize right now because I'm not going to deal with her shit when you guys leave. I, at Thanksgiving... Because I have no forks, had to use plastic forks for my one friend that came over. That was embarrassing. I'm sorry, my ghost stole my forks. We have to cut our chicken with a plastic
1: fork. Yes, yeah, there, there's. I so I just remembered at the end of your tour, we go. We went to uh, Madame Lollery's mansion. Yeah, in the, the French Lollery Quarter. Mansion, yeah, the Lollery Mansion, and there was there was a part of that mansion in front that you said you never walk under
0: I don't and walk under were, the entire house
1: you don't walk under the entire house yeah and and i I didn't walk under it. I think we had it's eight people on the tour, and so there were six people, including myself that didn't walk under it and then there was a couple on the tour that did did you ever hear anything from them about anything weird happening or or something you know they texted you they're like, by the way, you know our car exploded or something in the parking lot or, or something weird. Yeah. They died. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> they're, pro- they're probably, they're probably, they're probably, you know, we don't need non-believers. in, we this, don't, uh, uh, in this world. No, um, I yeah. haven't
0: heard anything from anybody. Uh, luckily the, the only thing that I ever had happened on a tour where someone messaged me about uh, was after the tour, this girl messaged me and said, Hey, I don't know if this is a haunting or what, but, Every photo they took from the start of the tour until the end were all taken upside down, and then mm. all the to- all the photos from before and right after were all taken right side up.
1: Ah, uh, so she, her she was holding the camera the same, but the
0: same, the, and they the weren't photos drunk. were They's, just
1: upside down for some reason.
0: Yeah, and they weren't like drunk girls that were just you know being drunk and silly. They had not uh, had any drinks. So uh, she she messaged me and was like, I'm a little freaked out. And I mm. said, well, like, that's our hauntings that happen here, though, is it's never it's never sinister. It's always things to annoy you, kind of, like, with my yeah. forks. Like I said, I don't want there to be a ghost stealing my forks. But I also don't want to think that my landlord is coming in and taking my forks either. I don't know which one would make me feel better. Uh,
1: that That would be like... Some high level mind fuckery if someone was coming into your apartment and only stealing forks, or like they would just steal your left shoe just so yes. you would knew that that you wouldn't think you misplaced it, you would know that someone came in or or they, they they moved something around and put it in a different spot that that would you either have a possible serial killer in your apartment or a ghost. So I would rather have the ghost. I yeah.
0: I, you I want mean, that ghost energy. Yeah. Like I, you know, I'm sure for people that don't believe in stuff, I probably sound like a crazy person. Um, but the thing is, I, I always try and think it's something logical first. And I'm not going to lie. I feel kind of bad because I did blame my friend, Jen. Uh, she lives in her van. She's a van lifer out here. And mm. uh, when it was first happening, when my, the first two forks went missing, I was like, Jen, it's so crazy. Just some of my forks are just gone. And, you know, trying to be like, did you take my forks, Jen? Mm. And she's like, I didn't take your forks, Brittany. I would ask to borrow a fork from you if I really needed a fork. And I was like, just right. so you know, it's a safe and- space. You can re- just return it casually. Uh, I kind of hoping and- it was you, but no, damn it. All right, yeah. back to square one. Um, and then four, yeah. I've had four go missing. So it's just one goes missing, maybe accidentally threw it in the trash, maybe, you know, whatever, even two. But the fourth one, I don't know how to explain it anymore, you know?
1: Yeah, it's, I, I get people, you know, like ha- having doubts about things. Of course, that's a that's a good thing. And when I hear the camera story about the, photos turning upside down, my first instinct is that, okay, there definitely is a a technological something weird that went on in there. Let me not say definitely, because that's a hundred percent, but the 99.9% chance there was something technologically, maybe they didn't realize they switched a setting, something like that. I don't know, but there's still 0.01% of my brain that goes, okay, th- Maybe it's not a ghost, but there's something that we don't yet understand or have the technology to understand that is responsible for whatever happened to the camera. Or like the people on the tour who walked under Madame Lawlery's uh balcony with, or I don't know what you call it, kind uh, of gallery. like a yeah. gallery. That was one of the things uh from the tour, the difference between a, a balcony and a gallery. So now it's harnessed yeah. uh hardened into my brain. <laughs> Um, but yeah, even if, even if you don't think that bad things happening to people that walk under that gallery has a supernatural explanation, I still wouldn't test it. Like there's still, there's still, there's still a healthy respect in my mind for the unknown, the, even though the unknown, you know, supernatural, um, my mind is is always going to gravitate towards the logical explanation first and then yeah. rather than say it has supernatural explanations i'll say okay we just don't know yet if it is supernatural i don't want to be like the guy you know punching that thing in the face going like come on like do something you know cuz if it is on the off chance then like why why put yourself in that position i i don't really get the the testing kind of pissing things off that you don't understand or you, or you don't believe that are there. You Especially can just be like... La Especially
0: at because that's the house where all these slaves were tortured and killed. So for me, it's just such a weird one for people to try and flex on because I'm like, even if you don't believe in the hauntings, the history is still real of these terrible mm. things that happened in this in this mansion. So why not still be respectful of it?
1: Yeah, the, the stuff you're talking about on the tour about uh, Madame Wallery was some of the darkest, wildest shit I've ever heard. It's my least favorite part
0: of the entire tour, but it's everyone, it's always the most requested. And so it's just a part, just a part of it. it.
1: Yeah. It's like, you almost don't believe that it's real. You believe that that's the supernatural part of the tour, but no, there's this person that was experimenting on slaves and, and, you know, putting them in boxes and, and chopping off their body parts and attaching yeah. it to other parts of their, parts of their body. Like it, it's, I don't know. I, I feel like there's something that stays in an architectural structure that maybe we don't yet have the ability to see with tools, like in, like some sort of energy. When something bad or good happens in a place, I think there's some sort of mark left behind. And we feel that as this, Oh, that's, you know, I get a chill or I have a dark energy, or you're in a good place and you feel, and maybe an extra layer of warmth when you're standing in that place. I think maybe we'll have some sort of tool or or some sort of knowledge that we gain in the future that gives us an explanation for some of those things where we can actually see, Oh, if you have an experience in a room, there's going to be some stuff left on the surface that has a, you know, maybe a thousand year half-life, like the experience is actually still being lived yeah. in this room. And so when I was at, at that house, uh, at the Lawlery mansion, it just felt it's heavy fucked up. Yeah. Like it's, I was like, wow, this, this, some dark messed up shit. this.
0: We feel energy with like, I can meet someone and instantly be like, Ooh, do not like this. I don't know what you have mm. going on. This energy, mm-hmm. I my my energy is not like this. So I'm gonna go. This is yeah. not this is not so why would it if there's this if there's that much heavy energy happening from all these terrible things, how could something not stay? You know, and whether they show yeah. up in the form of a, you know, a spirit or a ghost, that's still the last big thing that happened on this foundation, you
1: know? Yeah, it makes sense because there's there have been imprints left on material that is, there, there have been uh like, if you take a fingernail and you scratch an apple, there's going to be some sort of mark left behind yeah. and that's barely anything. That's just you taking your fingertip and applying slight pressure and, and breaking the surface of the apple. If there's some sort of energetic surface on all things or buildings that maybe we see, but we don't know what it is, or, or maybe we can't even see it. It makes sense that if you have a messed up energy in that room, that that energy could almost be like a fingertip scratching the energy of the place around it. And it just, depending on how bad it is or how good it is, it stays around for longer yeah. or it just, like, yeah. no matter what you what you put there, it's just gonna be like this dark vibe or this happy vibe for the next 100, 200 years because it was something like really powerful that happened in that room.
0: Yeah, I think my, my brother did a, uh, took like a religious studies class and then they talked about, they ended up talking about ghosts and stuff. And one of his favorite theories he read about ghost sightings is that in that one moment in time, that's where dimensions are crossing in that one split second. So that's actually you seeing somebody from another dimension, and them seeing you, and then mm. it's gone. And I'm like, that's actually really cool.
1: <laughs> so like the 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 dimension is alongside us, and then seeing a ghost is like they're popping through the portal uh, for a this quick one second. moment.
0: For some reason, we we same thing, same time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a you know scientist person. And yeah. all those Things, but there's like
1: there's like a there's a glitch. The, the person who's it makes sense because there's they uh, got to update every- their iPhone. Yeah. Every if there's a job for everything and some people are bad at their jobs. So maybe it's that the person in charge of keeping a dimensional yeah. wall intact in New Orleans is just drunk or like super bad at his job for whatever reason. He's just not a good not a good worker. And he leaves too many holes in the wall. And yeah, he's like, I fell asleep through.
0: once and now we're the city of the dead yes <laughs> it just took yeah. one time
1: <laughs> and, and once for once for him like a 20 minute nap was a thousand years yeah. of our time so he's like whoops i just left the wall uh, open for a thousand years close the veil well, put it back yeah close it up and, yeah. and now the all the ghosts are pissed because they can't get back they're like what the hell i thought i thought i was taking a left turn and i i, I yeah. went back into this, was this like, place was and this
0: party. now uh, then all of a sudden i'm on these streets yeah. that look like they're sinking what's happening? Yeah. 100%. Yeah.
1: Um to to go back to the vampires for a bit. Is there a favorite depiction of vampires that you have in pop culture, whether it's a movie or a series or, or a book you've read, like so, something that to you is a favorite to revisit for vampires?
0: I mean, I think it's more like hate watching now. But I would say the Twilight really? series, I was so obsessed with it when it came out. Mm. And I've tried rewatching it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is this is so terrible. Of course, a Mormon made this like this is Mormon should not be in charge of supernatural beings. Um, mm. Like the sparkling in the sun, write? like wa- watching them just sparkle. It's just it's so funny. But I will say uh, True Blood is so fun. The show True Blood. You like it? It's just, not that I like it. It's just, it's fun. Um, mm. it's so campy and the dialogue is so bad and the acting is not great, but it's just, uh, there's, they have no, there's no, like, we're going to be good. Only one maybe, but the rest are mm-hmm. just like, we're fucking supernatural beings. So we're going to not care about humans.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just finished watching the Dracula series on Netflix, uh, th- a three-part miniseries, and I did enjoy it. it. It was a different take on why Dracula is opposed to and afraid of the the normal symbols that are associated with vampires, like crosses and, and sunlight. So there was a there was a twist at the end that I I did enjoy, but it, it's it seems like vampire depictions are always so pure and so kind of like sparkly, what you said. It's either they're really bad or they're really good. And for me, I would love to see a series about some guy or girl that's living a normal life, like going to work at a coffee shop every day but just they're also a vampire and like but all the no. annoying, the annoying see, shit that goes along with it.
0: I think that's actually not the you, okay. Because I, I I have this thing where us as humans we're constantly wanting to humanize things, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're like, let's make it where these monsters, but they live with people, like it's these zombies, and it's like if I was to be able to be free of the human experience, I am not going back to that. Like so, I do think it's. They call it the Anne Rice effect with, uh, Mm. when vampires also became attractive because in the beginning, vampires were not attractive people. Yes.
1: Like Nosferatu, They all looked like that.
0: Yeah. They were, they were scary. And then Anne Mm. Rice came in, which RIP, she just passed away. Uh, Mm. she came in and did what interview with a vampire or something like that. I think interview with a vampire and Mm. sorry, that sounds so disrespectful, Uh, but, um, so they call it here, they call it the Anne Rice effect where mm. vampires were these hideous, terrible beings. And then now you have this attractive, these attractive people and people want to have sex with them and they have all this sex and it's so hot and and it just changed and then just boop 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 and it just yeah, kept going. I, the CW took over, you know, and I,
1: uh, I, I get that. I I for me I if a vampire is gonna exist with humans. If they're going to be alongside humans and not be separated, if they're going to kind of jump in and out, maybe they're even living amongst humans. They're not going back to their castle or or whatever it is.
0: Transylvania.
1: Transylvania. Yeah. (laughs) I, for me, I just, I crave some, I think it would be interesting to just write something that. Is semi-normal, but has the annoyances and the realities of like the shit that you would have to do that other people think are weird, but they don't know you're a vampire, or maybe you only tell your best friend. Like like you're swiping on hinge or tinder, not because you're uh like you want to go on a date, but it's like it's my time of the month. Like, you know, I gotta you gotta Gotta feed feed. on someone tonight. And it's and it's like you're like She's just swiping with her best friend through guys, like talking about which one she's gonna eat tonight. Like, oh, this one's pretty cute. Oh, he's like five ten. What about what
0: we what we do in the shadows?
1: I've never seen that. I've never seen that.
0: Watch what we do in the shadows. One, it's vampires who live in Staten Island on Staten Island, (laughs) Mm. and they they were supposed to take over the New World once they arrived, but they just ended up staying in Staten Island. Ah,
1: um, uh, okay. I think I've seen I, the movie, but is this the TV series? It's
0: the TV series. A TV series. Yeah, okay. It's on. It's on Hulu, and I just started watching it. The writing is fantastic, and I will definitely um, check that out. Yeah, because they have their. They definitely have to feed and do all these things, but it does show them like they go to council, a council meeting, and stuff, and talk to the people at the council on Staten Island. So that would probably be the closest to what you're craving for something that's currently out. Um, but that's how many Netflix.
1: uh, Sorry, I don't want to cut you off.
0: Oh yeah, I was say that's also the only like. I feel like the older I get, the more I'm just like, yeah, kill the humans, please. Yeah, Uh, just take them, take them out.
1: (laughs) Just stop.
0: The humans have to stop humanizing the vampires. We need to vampire the humans. That's what needs to happen.
1: Yeah, this is also an example of how spoiled I am with the amount of shows that are out now. Where I'm like, I don't just want a vampire show. I want an entire cast and crew and screenwriter to write something for me. The, the vampire shows the the nine shows that are on Netflix and Hulu aren't enough. I, I really need one that, that slides in perfectly to my niche where, you know, 20 years ago, I'd be like, Oh, there's a vampire show on. I guess I'll watch that.
0: Yeah. I, I would say definitely give, uh, what we do in the shadows a try. Um, because if you, I don't know if you like like dry humor, uh, all this stuff, but it's just they do it's really well done. Mm. And I'm only on like episode five. People kept recommending it to me. They're like, Have you watched what we do in the shadows? I'm like, no, and they're like, What? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, and then I finally did, yeah. and I was like, Okay, yeah, this is really, this is really funny. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like they did that kind I didn't end up watching it because it was too gory for me, but Santa Clarita, Santa Clarita diet uh with Drew Barrymore, where she would turned into a zombie. Mm.
2: okay. And, and I, I think I haven't it showed seen show either.
0: So, I mean, it's not the vampirism, but it is zombies. And I think it, they live in a suburb. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. she turns into a zombie. So it's them trying to live as still like a normal family in the as suburbs. Zombies. Even, yes. <laughs> as zombies. Yes. As true, very People love it. I just, it's so gory yeah. that I, for me, I just, even though I love this stuff, I can't watch a lot of blood stuff. Um,
1: Ah, so that's that's interesting. So you (laughs) you can get into the dark side of things, but visually, it's very hard. You don't like super gory.
0: Yeah, the Saw movies made me throw up in my mouth. Like actually,
1: oh yeah, I mean that. I I think I saw the first, maybe the second one, and then at that point, I was like, you know,
0: who is this for?
1: Yeah, (laughs) like at that point, it just kind of felt like the director was making porn for himself. Where he's like jerking off, being like, "This doesn't do it for me anymore. Like, I I need this guy to saw off his foot and eat it in this movie."
0: Yeah, like we're gonna play game. No, we're not. I'm not gonna play. Kill me now.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm not gonna go through this. I'm the wrong person you chose. Sorry, Jigsaw. Not, not for me. I do not like a challenge.
1: Yeah, and at a certain point, it, it doesn't feel creative anymore because it's just upping the ante on what already worked rather than doing a different twist for you know saw five or or better games
0: more blood it's like no
1: yeah even even the games like make make, uh like give me uh uh maybe they made this i have no idea give me a saw where like the victims turn it on saw and turn that into a game on him or, or, you know, tickle fights. Give me like give me like a saw where...
0: Tell me a joke. He get,
1: yeah, he gets replaced. He gets replaced with a guy who's just into the most humane punishment possible. And he's like, I'm going to make you guys go to bed early tonight unless one of you uh, chops off your foot. And they're just like, that's fine. I would I'll just, love I'll, to, I'll go to go to bed early,
0: actually. thank you yeah, that My sounds doctor good. says I could sleep more. So... Yeah. Yeah, I feel like unless they did like a political version where he's like your your challenge is to get universal health care for the United States and unless oh, that, that happens your head will be chopped off and you'll be thrown into a meat grinder and it's like I well mean, we, we might as well start it because it's not going to happen
1: I mean we definitely would get a lot more bills passed if the Republicans and Democrats were just arguing on the House floor and nothing was getting done and all of a sudden jigsaw the president pops up and in a jigsaw mess is like we're going to play a little game yeah and everyone's like is that, is that biden shut You're up like, you
0: mean democracy I said, we're gonna play a
1: little game yeah, yeah yeah democracy hasn't worked we're gonna get into uh
0: let's play some charade we're get into something else <laughs> <That's> yeah <good.
1: laughs> yeah um so, so to end off
0: also she's I, playing I the wanted... guitar now she's playing the guitar
1: wow she's yeah you definitely gotta get a clip of that for the intro we'll, we'll throw throw that in <laughs>
0: We, I don't think we should encourage that.
1: <laughs> the is guitar it, what, isn't
0: so bad, but it's just the uh, it's just I don't like it because yeah. I know the singing is going to follow.
1: Yeah, for for those of you listening, there oh, there is a world class <laughs> singer songwriter that lives above Britney that graces her ears fourteen hours a day with just it's so, her humbling. Impress- it's so humbling, impressive, yeah, yeah, it, like. Brit- Britney Britney told me before the podcast she said, you know, I I was going to pursue a career in comedy but I heard my uh the person above me play guitar and now I don't think I could ever do something that beautiful. I could never make my audience react like she makes me react and and for that I'm going to go to
0: school for accounting now. going to
1: give up. Dance. Yes. <laughs> um to to end off I w- I wanted to ask you y- you obviously you get into you're not afraid to get into the dark side of life and the the dark history tour in New Orleans you, you seem to gravitate towards finding the the humor and finding the interesting side of the darker things that happen to us and the and the darker situations that have happened to to other people in history so for you if someone's listening to this podcast that maybe you know, pushes away darker things or they just haven't really given themselves the freedom or the opportunity to explore some darker topics. Cause you know, maybe they had a super religious upbringing or they've just had something that's blocked them from exploring that part to you. What would you say to someone who is just closed off to dark things? Not because they don't like it necessarily, but because they just haven't given themselves the freedom to explore?
0: So I guess I feel like people shy away from the dark because again, it's considered taboo, all these topics, right? But to me, how can we ever change or try to be better if we shy away from the things that are making the situations dark? So Mm. conversations and communication are the best way for us to move forward as a society and to understand each other. We don't all have to have the same, you don't have to be like me and make jokes about dark things, but we should not shy away from having conversations. And I think the more people that shy away from it, a lot of people I think are afraid to open up because that would also require a lot of empathy and Mm. it would require giving a fuck. It's so much easier to stay closed off and not allow yourself Like, I love my mother, but she lives in her little blonde bubble, and she does not Mm. let anything bad enter (laughs) into her bubble. Mm. And we're so opposite in that. And uh, it is such a ignorance is bliss, right? So even with, with dark stuff, like, it's all things that should be talked about. And I think people feel like, oh, they're just, they're preaching at me, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, but how much worse would life be if we couldn't laugh at these things? Like we would just be sad, and but most people who have actually gone through real shit laugh, and they know. I did a show in New York for um, a bunch of men who lived in a home because they were their addicts, and Mm -hmm. I did a stand-up show for sixty men. And let me tell you, one of the best audiences I ever had because they're not pretending to be offended. They're not like I feel like I should be offended or I can't talk about this. They've been they've hit rock bottom. So they're more, they're just more open. And they're like, no, this, if we don't laugh, we're going to cry. If we don't try and still push through and allow these things to be like, okay, I'm going to sit in this for a second. I'm still going to move forward. doesn't mean I forget it. So I just encourage so many people to not shy away because one, welcome to the dark side.
2: (laughs) So much better.
0: (laughs) So much better. Who's always having more fun? People with sticks up their ass or yeah. people who are just free and are like, "Yeah, man, life sucks and this terrible thing happened to me." But you know what? Woohoo! Let's go have a good time. You can have it's not one or the other. You know, it's a melding of these of all these things. We're we're complica- we're complicated beings. We're not actually that complicated. We just overcomplicate everything. So, open yourself. Go read Reddit. My favorite thing to do is I go read Reddit in the news section. And I see the headlines mm. and they're all the most depressing thing you're ever going to read in your life. And I'll try and write mm. jokes about them as a, as a writing exercise.
1: D- that, <laughs> that's crazy. Cause I literally, so I'll do a few solo podcasts a month. And what I try to do is I, I'll read Reddit for 80% of it. And I'm not necessarily trying to be funny and I'm sure people take it hundreds of different ways, but I, my, I think in my mind, all right, I want to take a hard take on this story. And if some people find it funny, some people like, and sometimes I'm just doing it because it's interesting, not necessarily because I agree with it. It's just your
0: perspective on it too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I love scrolling through Reddit and scrolling through headlines and being like, all right, I may not know everything about this topic, but what's something that I could say that someone would listen to this take for 10 minutes or you know, just get something, some level of enjoyment out of this because I'm not an expert, but I can, you know, talk about stuff with a freedom that maybe experts can not talk about and, and try to find some light side and some of the darker shit.
0: Yeah. I feel like we should have a new show called the silver lining where, cause they'll, they'll try and have shows called like good news and like all this stuff of like, well, let's just say good news. It's like, no, let's say the bad headlines and let's find a positive. Okay that's yeah. life. <laughs> that's real.
1: Yeah. Like th- there should be a, a segment to kick off every show, uh, murder suicides around yes. the world this week, and then find something positive about that murder suicide. I have and, a joke in my stand-up about
0: a man in Japan who murdered all these women and he gave them a choice between uh, suicide or murder. And my takeaway was how nice that women are being given a choice. We've been fighting for that for years. Yeah, it's, and it, it, it's a,
1: it's about time.
0: <laughs> Chivalry is not dead, you guys. Yes.
1: You know, and and they, they, they are, all chose but... they
0: all chose murder. Uh So yeah. But that yeah, was their choice. Their
1: body their their body their choice.
0: Eggs eggs and I was like, yeah. I think we need to be more specific <laughs> uh, <laughs> when we say our body yeah. our choice. We got to have some limits. Uh, Some limits. That's what I think about rapists too, is that uh, we have all these signs in school growing up that say you can do it. And like, if you, if you first don't succeed, try, try again. There should be asterisks of like, not involving murder, not involving rape. Like there's Mm. some things that you shouldn't aspire to be better at. And I think this starts at a young (laughs) age. We have to start in stealing these things. Um, Yeah. Like,
1: like a, like a, a spin Or just like a deep dive into the the Ten Commandments: Thou shalt not kill, Thou shalt not steal, and be like, listen. Here are the pros and cons. You can steal from Walmart,
0: but you can't steal from your poor neighbor. The amount of avocados I have not swiped at the self uh, self checkout. Okay.
1: Yeah. No, that's um. It's a it's a. I'm so glad that you tell jokes like that because, I'll I'll be at shows sometimes where there's a feeling that comes over the audience and it's just everyone closes up. And I feel that it's like impossible not to feel that as part of a group. Cause I feel like the, just like the comic and the audience feed off of each other. People in the audience also feed off of each other.
0: Yeah.
1: And someone will say one word on stage, like really murder, suicide. And then all of a sudden people just like,
0: well, you can't be, open with, be you can't just say murder, suicide. You have to ease people yes
1: into it. Yes. But sometimes I don't even know why I'm tightening up. It's almost like I've been trained to stop reacting when I hear certain topics. And I could think the joke is hilarious. And I tried my best to (sighs) relinquish myself of like that tight butthole. Like you literally just like you sit up in your seat and you're like, uh. but yeah, it's a a weird, you can really affect a show as an audience member by just being more open and just being like, I'm going to fucking laugh at the shit that I think is funny. And um, other people kind of feed off that and then makes the whole show better. And
0: Yeah. And yeah. this might be a hot take. Um, I actually feel the one positive about being a female comedian. Uh, you won't hear that a lot. People say that, uh, is that I do feel that I can actually get away with, the darker topic's a lot easier than a male comedian can um, there's just why, a,
1: why do you think that is?
0: I think it's because men have done most of the bad stuff in history, at least that's documented. That's what's good or bad. It's men at the forefront mm. of like all of the history that gets taught. so I think that and most cases of like violence, it's men at the at the top of the list, so I think that when a woman comes in. The audience is like, well, it's coming from the victim, from the like <laughs> from the person that's not mm. mainly doing the stuff that they're talking about. So it's just yeah. more, it's just more accepted. And usually like I come on stage and I'm always always wearing usually something bright, something sparkly, and I'm just like, da-da-da. And then I'm like, all right, genocide. Let's get in. And it's such a fun yeah. contrast because people don't expect it at all. And then the rest yeah. of my set is just like <laughs> boom, 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 you know. Um, but I do think that because I've had like male comics say to me, Oh, you're so lucky you're a woman. You can get away with that. And I said, well, it's not that you can't, you just have to approach it differently and make sure you're not punching down. Cause if people feel like this is a hate speech that you're giving on the stage, they're not going to laugh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It could, it could be that maybe those, those male comics just haven't figured out a way to make it funny yet. Like you Mm -hmm. have, you haven't, everyone has their own perspective and, and people can feel when you're being fake. And, yes. and I don't mean making up stories. I, I laugh all yeah. the time at stories that haven't actually happened, but it's funny. I just mean kind of giving off an energy that isn't really
0: are you doing this show? Cause you? you're trying to be edgy or is it cause this is actually your perspective on this?
1: Yeah. Like, take? are you actually an edgy person or are you playing yeah. an edgy role right now? Are, are you like, it's sometimes a, if you read something on paper, it could be funny, but the mismatch between the energy of the comedian and the material will kill the laughter a lot of times, yeah. at, le- at least from um, what I've seen as, as an audience member.
0: One of my favorite male comedians is Anthony Jeselnik.
1: Oh, I, j- I just watched... Um,
0: Fire the Maternity ward.
1: No, the, the oh. one right before that. I'm blanking oh, out on the... Thoughts and Prayers. Yep. Um, just that literally was my just rewatched to that.
0: him. Thoughts and prayers is he. I was like, all right, white male comedian. Let's see. I knew nothing about him. He opened up with a brilliant dead baby joke, and I was like, I am sold. This is so good. And he is so like. I'm like that's why I tell people. I go go watch Anthony Jeselnik. He makes up his stories, and he talks about everything.
1: Yes, and you can see him on stage. Getting energy off of the discomfort. He's not. Yes. He, he he is playing a character in a sense, but he's also being genuine about the fact that he yeah. clearly loves. Like he 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 doesn't. He he, uh, he seemed like the the smirks he was giving during that special. It was almost at the most uncomfortable. We love it. We
0: love like, a Jesslynic smirk.
1: Yeah, like he, <laughs> he, it was. It just got. The, the audience like closed up and he's just like, yeah, that's right. Like that's I, right. I fucking did that. I, I just fucking <laughs> made you do that. And now it's going to get worse. Yep. So he, he's, he's amazing.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, well, th- thank you, Brittany, for hopping on the podcast. I really yeah. do appreciate your time. Can you plug all of your stuff one more time so people can go check it out? And I'll link everything that you say in the, the description yes. as well.
0: So if you have Instagram, the best way to find all my links is to go to my Instagram because I have a link tree in my bio. So then everything is just mm-hmm. linked there. But my Instagram is at bitch, and that is I-T-S-B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-E-B-I-T-C-H. Yes. And, uh, but yeah, that's the, I feel like the best way. But yeah, my podcast, Death Obsessed, Apple, Spotify, I think Amazon or whatever too, Uh
1: yeah. Awesome. Well, th- thank you, Brittany. Good luck uh, with the rest of your time in New Orleans and right. LA with with Better Call Saul. That that's fucking awesome, and uh, can't wait to say I, I talked to that person on on the screen. That's uh, I, I already, I already, I already feel, I already feel grateful. I already feel grateful, and you know now, um, a blonde I, I white feel, man. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Please,
0: we're done with them. We're done.
1: Yes. Um, but yeah, th- th- thank you again so much. I, I really do appreciate your time and, and you're hilarious and, and your tour is great. And I'm, I know whatever you do, you're going to crush it. So, oh, thanks,
0: um, so much. thanks again. So nice. Now what happens?
1: What's up, guys? Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Before you go, this is a reminder to let you guys know that I'm dropping bonus episodes on Auxoro Premium for the price of one Bud Light per month. When you sign up for the year, you get two bonus episodes of my show, The Ox, every month that covers exciting, deep and sometimes twisted topics like MKUltra, the COVID lab leak hypothesis, fight club, dating, the obesity epidemic, ayahuasca, alien encounters and more. In addition to two bonus episodes per month, you also get exclusive Ask Me Anything episodes, the ability to submit topic suggestions for the AUX and the AUXORO podcast, and access to all archived bonus episodes to binge at your leisure. Right now, there's over 25 hours of archived content, and it grows every month. For the best deal in premium podcasting, visit auxoro.supercast.com to sign up today. No topic off limits. That's auxoro, A-U-X-O-R-O.supercast.com. Thank you for your support and I'll see you next time.